Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. And on today's episode, we have the creator of WriteLaughDream.com. She is an author, workshop, workshop facilitator, an avid dreamer, and she has independently published two books, Dear Love, A Love Letter to You, and Love on Purpose. Her freelance writing has been published in Jump Magazine, Grammy.com, Essence.com, and many more. She's an advocate for um, for writers finding their voice and learning how to expand their reach. And she is the editor-in-chief of Permission to Write. Please welcome Ashley Coleman. Thank you. Thank you. I sound all like official when you say it like that. <laughs> you are official, girl. <laughs> you have been official. I mean, I, I watched you actually the very first time that we met. Um, I had come to Philly for an event and you were speaking on the panel. So you have been official and that was years ago. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show and spreading your wisdom and inspiration with us. So I usually like to start with asking a simple question because, you know, we have all these titles, um, you know, that we are are given and that our parents call us and everyone else calls us. So with your name, do you know what your name means? Oh wow. Um I have no clue what my name means. <laughs> I've spent most of my life hating it. So I've never even looked into what it means, if any. You don't like your name? Oh, it's so plain. I was actually C for like so much of my life because there were four or five other Ashleys in every class or school, you know, that I was in. Mm -hmm. So it always felt a little unoriginal to me um, because there were always four or five other people with my same name. Okay. Okay. Well, I happened to Google your name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. uh, so in English, the meaning of the name Ashley is lives in the ash tree grove, derived from the surname and a place name based on the old English word for ashwood. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the reason I asked that, I mean, I grew up, I hated my name. My name is McKinney. I mean, you know, little kids were mean growing up and said all kinds of things and made fun of my name. But I grew into my name as an adult and I started to actually look into what it meant. And that made a difference in, in my life. So McKinney means strength of character in Swahili. See, look how wonderful that is. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, my parents lied to me my entire life and told me that it meant beautiful one. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley tell us about um, what is permission to write all about oh for sure so um, just like most good ideas um, it really started because I was researching doing research for another business project actually I was looking into trying to open up a physical space and beginning to write a business plan for that and in that, I um, because I wanted it to have a bookstore component and things like that. So in that, I started doing some research on publishing um, and just finding out that um, about 88% of the publishing industry was um, self-identified as white. 
And mm-hmm. so I thought to myself, well, if 88% of the um, field that you're trying to get into doesn't look like you, then what do those opportunities really look like? Right. And so I'm a person who believes in action, right? So I don't like to just yell about um, the problem. I like to find solutions. And so I really wanted to launch not only a magazine, um, because I grew up loving magazines. Um, so Permission to Write has a magazine component. We're a quarterly digital magazine. Um, and then we're also just a community. Um, and so I wanted to help not only have a space for writers to, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing the word, um, not only for them to have a space and a platform for their work, like for other people to read it, but to also help them in the craft because there aren't as many um, people of color talking about the craft. When you look mm-hmm. at the craft of writing, how to be a better writer, it tends to be from white authors. Um, right. So we don't always have the luxury of taking a class from Baldwin or, you know what I mean? Like th- these legends that we all love and adore that have unfortunately passed on, we don't always get those same opportunities. So in my little humble way, <laughs> that's beautiful. To create that type of platform for other writers um, of color, I think that's amazing that you you know you saw a need and you chose to s- fulfill that need. I mean, you know, that's a bold move in itself, and I feel like that's how most businesses end up being extremely successful because you provide a lack that's you know that's something that's missing. So that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So I seen that your theme for your next issue is writing and social change. Can you break down to us, you know, what's in store? What should we look out for? Oh, for sure. So um, each um, issue has submissions. So we take um, submissions from the general public um, that includes like essays, poetry, um, nonfiction, fiction stories, um, things of all types. So the, the new issue will have stories from that. We're also doing a feature on Black-owned media. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're talking to some other media companies because, again, we believe in the power of community. So we want to talk to other magazine owners of color um, and things like that about their work and why it's important not only for us to create the content, but for us to own the vehicles that produce the content um, and have the opportunity to tell our own narrative. Um, We're always recommending books, um, like recent releases, so we'll have some things um, in regard to books that deal with social change, um, and a couple other fun interviews. I don't want to give it all away, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're really looking forward to um, just looking at the and exploring the topic because we believe. Um, and when I say we, it's because we have a team of editors that we work with, um, and we all kind of brainstorm ideas. But we just believe in the power of writing. That it's we're not just writers for entertainment which is fun but also as activism we're artists um, and oftentimes the historians um, that are really documenting through pen and paper what's happening in the world I think it's beautiful that you're changing the narrative of how writers are seen um, in the black community because oftentimes we look at like you said we look at all these amazing things but we can't identify because we don't see anyone that looks like us so you've created this community um, that looks like us to change the narrative of how we view ourselves because a lot of people in our community don't have the greatest view of ourselves not only because we don't have anything to look up to but it's like the the self-image that we hold 
is limited or negative because of what we've seen. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to help uplift the image of us as a community so that as a people individually, we can see ourselves higher. That's beautiful. That is very powerful. So how can people submit to your publication to be a contributor? For sure. So in general, we normally open submissions um, at the time where we release the latest issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So for instance, we're aiming to release this issue in November. In November, we would open up submissions for our next issue, um, which, you know, there's about a three to four month gap between each issue. So we open up submissions for about a month during that time. Um, Also, when you go on the Permission to Write website, um, under work with us or join the team or something like that and drawing a blank. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's also, we're also always looking for just kind of a Rolodex of freelance writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just folks that we can kind of reach out to and say like, hey, here's some stories we're looking to have covered or for folks to pitch us on some ideas that they might have related to the theme. See, I hope you guys are listening because she's created a community for writers of color and she's giving you a platform to share your work with other people and people who are looking to read your stuff. Take notes, people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so at the start of the year, you were featured in Forbes.com. How does that feel? Amazing. amazing i think we all kind of you know you hear about forbes you just grow up it's just one of those like powerhouse things um and with their online component um it's just great to be exposed to an audience i mean as a person just you know with no real heavy connections or huge brands um it's really nice every opportunity you get to talk about some of the things that you're doing um so when pollyanna reached out to me to be a part of um that pollyanna is a amazing contributor for Forbes.com. She does tons of great exploration of just entrepreneurs, otherwise just amazing women. Um, so be sure to check out her other stuff. But um, yeah, when she reached out to me, I was really honored <laughs> because <laughs> um, I was in a feature with four, uh, with three other women um, who really are working to cultivate pretty much the leaders of tomorrow. Um, and so with my work with communities, like I'm always trying to uplift other women and listen, I'm still in this process too, of just trying to grow and achieve all the dreams that I have. But I know how important it is just to kind of like lift others up with you. Like, I don't want to wait until I get everything that I want um, right. to reach back. I want to kind of bring everybody along with me because I really believe in a sense of community. So that was amazing. And I was so, really excited about that. Yeah, That's awesome. Collaboration over competition. So you mentioned Pollyanna Reed, and she was mm-hmm. the reason why I actually came to Philly and ended up connecting with you because she was, um, I believe she was hosting the event that you were on the panel at. And, uh, you know, because we, all three of us, you know, believe in collaborations, I've watched over the years, even as we've all grown, how we've been able to basically open the door for each other. You know, there's opportunities that I've sent Pollyanna's way. There's opportunities she sent my way and your way and vice versa. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing because I think a lot of women are so, so much into, you know, their ego that they're comp- competing with every other woman. And right. if they understood the power in collaborations and how they can get so much further, if they would bless somebody else you know they're blocking their own blessing because they're not willing to share an opportunity absolutely 
Um, no, you're, I mean, you're so right. And I've just seen the power of, of that, the power of collaboration. It takes you so much farther. And I know I'm not a person who knows much, right? I know a little bit about a lot, but <laughs> I know that there's everything to connect with people who know more. So I, I'm always like just hungry for information from other great women that are doing it. So I love it. That's awesome. So in the article on Forbes.com, uh, you said young women are not short on intelligence or innovation, but they require mentors and women of influence to show them what is possible and provide room for expansion. Can you elaborate on that? Um, for sure. I mean, it's that same idea, right, of that we all know something about something. Sorry. Um, it's that idea that we all know something about something. Um, but there's always people that can really take you farther, that can give you their wisdom. I've never been a person who needed to um, learn by trial and error. I love mm-hmm. learning by watching other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, mentors um, and coaches. Exactly, to try to avoid some of the other errors. But I, I will say that I have been in a space where I've really wanted more mentors um, and haven't actually been as successful in finding them. But I believe in peer mentorship, and that mm-hmm. has been a place where I've found a lot more success, um, just being able to create community with other women um, that are kind of like on their way up um, mm-hmm. has been a really instrumental tool for me, like having a mastermind group with some other like like-minded women, um, having a writing group that's facilitated through permission to write. So really just being able to connect with other women on their way up has been extremely helpful for me. I think masterminds are an essential tool for success because, you know, even though you and your peers may kind of be at the same level, you each bring different expertise to the table. So instead of you having to figure something out on your own or go out and learn it, you know, you guys can exchange that knowledge and that wisdom with each other. Exactly. I've, I have spent uh, the last few years of my life living by this, um, I'm going to say this philosophy, what, what have you, like the, the 33% rule, where I spend 33% of my time with mentors and coaches, people that are above where I am right now that can help um, not give me a handout, but a hand up. And then I spend 33% of my time with my peers who are um, pretty much at the same level as me where we can mastermind and then 33% of my time mentoring and giving back and helping those that are in a place where I was when I needed help to help them and be that, that hand up for them. I love that. I love that. I really <laughs> need to work on that breakdown <laughs> my own life. It's definitely made a difference in my life. So, um, I mean, we're both writers and I tell people all the time, you know, I've been writing in you know, English class, that was my thing. I was an honor roll student. So my question to you has, is, has writing always been your passion? Um, so it's funny. Writing is one of those funny things um, where I think writing was always my passion, but I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I always talk about is this idea of, like, we all have English in school. And mm-hmm. so somehow you don't think there's anything special about being able to write well. Because you're like, well, this is just a basic skill that we're all learning to do. Right. But you get older and you realize like, oh, well, there's varying levels of how good people are at this. And so, mm-hmm. honestly, I have been writing stories since I was a young girl, you know. Um, I was always writing stories. I even still have some corny journals where I was writing stories. Um, I won 
writing contest in high school and in middle school. Um, but for some reason, it just didn't click for me for a while. I mean, I started college as a journalism major, but I hated news. And that made me say, well, I don't want to write news. Like, this is terrible. If I have to go through news to write the things that I want to write, then I don't want to do it. And so, but I found my way back to it when I started um, taking my blog really more seriously in about 2013. Um, I kind of got more serious back into writing, kind of finding my love for it again. But it really did start from a young age. I just didn't realize it was actually a talent. Okay, okay. So you know, you talk about finding your journey in 2013. Like, how do you how do you stay true to your journey? You make a lot of mistakes and wrong turns and get off course, you know. <laughs> um, but for me, it really starts with staying grounded spiritually. Um, so you know, I believe in God. I am, you know, I'm a prayer person, and you know, I think everyone has to do what works for them. Um, but I know that for me. Staying true to the journey has really been being rooted in God and what I felt like he was always and what I felt like he was always leading me back to, um, even in the moments where I was just like pursuing other things or, you know, I think sometimes we get lost in trying to be popular as opposed to following our purpose. Um, and so I feel like I probably got lost in that journey a little bit mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. really that quiet voice of just discernment. Um, and, and speaking with God kind of helps me always come back kind of like to the center, kind of to the middle of what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, it's come with a lot of wrong turns and getting off course, that's for sure. Okay, so you talk about, um, you know, making wrong turns and being led by God. So when is the right time to, to pivot? And are you or do you feel that you are led by your gifts? Wow. Um, Yeah, so this idea of pivoting, I feel, has come up a lot in different conversations, um, especially for a lot of us who kind of started as personal bloggers. I feel like all of us have kind of had this journey um, of of pivoting because, you know, personal blogs were really big, and then the whole world of blogging kind of changed, and then you're trying to, like, stay relevant but stay true to yourself. And I just think that I've had I guess like maybe an innate ability to kind of just say, this is what I'm doing now. It, it all starts with, to me, like just like vision casting mm-hmm. um, and how things kind of feel. Um, and I think you can find yourself in things that you're like, okay, this doesn't feel right anymore. You right. know what I mean? It, right. You know, um, for instance, because um, I love concrete examples because we can get all ethereal about things. But a concrete example is at a certain point, I was posting four blogs a week you know, four blogs a week because I was trying to ramp up the engagement on my site. And, you know, I just came to a point where I was burnt out. I was like, I can't keep this up as one person kind of coming up Mm -hmm. with these really, you know, heady ideas four times a week. And so that was a moment where I had to pivot and say, you know what, I'm spending all this time on my blog, but what is my real long-term goal? And I think that sometimes we get so lost in the short-term goal of how to ramp up engagement that we lose sight of where are we ultimately trying to go. Right. And everything really needs to begin to see that. And so I got to this space where I was like, well, ultimately I want to write more books and I can't necessarily do that by posting four blogs a week. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, zone in. So, you know, I was doing events, I was having my blog, I was, you know, just doing a lot 
And, you know, it, it really got to a place where I said, you know what, where's my long term? And then that caused the pivot, right? Having my long term goal in mind really said something has to shift in order to get where you're trying to go. Right, right. So um, two things. One, I mean, we are surrounded by a community of, of writers. So some of the writers that um, I'm connected to, what they've done with their blogs is basically compiled their blogs into a published book. Have you thought about that? Um, I've thought about it in some ways. Um, but what's interesting for me is that I'm kind of making a pivot from um, nonfiction to fiction. Okay. So if I ever think about doing another nonfiction book, then that would totally work. Um, but right now I'm working on literally a novel manuscript. <laughs> gotcha. 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 So when you were talking about pivoting and you're talking about, you know, just knowing when something doesn't feel right, that, that struck an emotional chord with me because I remember when I was doing real estate full time and I started writing my book and everyone was like, Oh, you're writing a book on real estate. I'm like, mm, no, it actually has nothing to do with real estate. And right before I released the book, I no longer felt right in real estate. I was like, mm, you know, this was a, a good starting point, but this is, this is not for me. It doesn't feel right. And I basically parked my license and walked away from real estate. And people are like, uh, what, what are you, what are you doing now? Well, what are you, what are you doing for a living? How are you, you know, I had to, I recognized that it didn't feel right. And I had to basically just do a complete pivot. <laughs> yep. Yep. Life <laughs> has no moment. Yeah. So before I go into the next um, final segment, just tell people quickly where they can find you. Sure. Um, you can find me everywhere at Right Laugh Dream. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-U-G-A-C-R-E-A-M. So everything's spelled correctly. Right Laugh Dream. Um, that's the website and that's all my social handles for now because, yeah, we're looking at maybe a rebrand in 2019. But for right now, you can find me at rightlaughdream.com <laughs> on everything. Okay, okay. So... It's no surprise that I am obsessed with stilettos, hence my entire branding, A Walk in My Stilettos. So I like to ask people, what is your favorite type of shoe? Because I read uh, an article that the type of shoe that you love says a lot about your personality. So for you, is that a running shoe? Is that a walking shoe? Is that a stiletto? Is it a flip-flop? Is it you know, a loafer, a wedge, what is your favorite type of shoe? I have to go with a sneaker, but I like fashion sneakers. Um, so that could be a running shoe um, or that could be like a really hot basketball shoe. Um, <laughs> like I love Melody Azani's collaboration with Reebok. Mm -hmm. um, so even though I will break out the stilettos, I would have to say that my favorite shoes are definitely like some really hot sneakers. So what that says about you is that you're goal oriented. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I think that's probably true. <laughs> so for the last segment of the show, I like to do what's called a walk in her stilettos. But for you, I guess that'll be a walk in her running shoes. That's where you inspire. <laughs> Um, from your journey and we have a series of questions that I'd just like to fire at you and whatever comes top of mind you just let me know so the sure. first question 
Name a book that's changed or greatly impacted your life. Choose Yourself um, by James Altucher, I think, is the author. Okay. And can you give us, I guess, one example or one reason? Oh, sure. I didn't know if it was like rapid fire. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So um, I guess because um, a lot of the themes in the book really talked about pretty much betting on yourself. And I think so many times we're like, searching for opportunities we want people to pick us right and not just like in relationships but I'm talking about we want the publication to pick us we want the agent to pick us and sometimes we don't necessarily pick ourselves and say Mm -hmm. you know what I can do this um with or without the help of other people sure it's the easier road with other people but that we can really kind of set our minds to it and do it It might be a longer path but you'll Mm -hmm. get there and that book really kind of gave me a pivot in my thinking in that way that's definitely a strong point because I've come to understand that if you do not believe in yourself, it doesn't matter how many other people believe in you. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And no one else will. So. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So my next question is when you feel overwhelmed, unfocused or uninspired, what do you do? <laughs> um, okay. I feel like this is a two part answer. Sometimes I go to sleep. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's really just an opportunity to reset your brain and just kind of get some rest and come to the overwhelmed list of things to do, like with a fresh mind mm-hmm. or like that thing that you're writing with a fresh mind. So I go to sleep and then sometimes I literally watch something on Netflix because that's another kind of just a bit of an escape, something that doesn't really take a lot of brain power and kind of get lost in another world for a while. I love that. I can definitely relate. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I had a friend that I used to be really close with and he didn't understand when things got really tough for me. I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. And he's like, what? Like he's that <laughs> over analytical person where he needs to be like, no, we need to do something right now. And I was like, no, right. I'm gonna take a nap. Cause for me, it's let go and let God, like, I need a minute. I need to reset. <laughs> he never and understood some, that. Right. Cause some people can't sleep because when they're anxious, Right. Right, So it was sleep is not the remedy for them. But yes, for some of us, it's like, let's get a nap. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So what failure has taught you the most about life? Do you have a favorite failure? You know, this is funny because I feel like I've been such a meticulous person all my life. Not to say that I haven't had failures because I've had plenty, but I don't think I necessarily um, harp on them the most the most um so I guess I would say in my immediate life it feels like um funny enough getting a dog because I think I got a dog at the wrong time I (laughs) thought it was something that I wanted and I was like let's get a dog and let's not get a little dog let's get a huge dog right and so it has really been one of the biggest challenges of my life and I know to some people it probably sounds like oh my god this girl hasn't been through anything in her life but honestly I feel like I've been one of those people who have kind of like excelled in a lot of things that I've done Mm-hmm. And so I haven't had enough things smack me in the face like you are not in control, you are not <laughs> that great at this, and this is going to take a lot more dedication and a lot more patience than you may have thought. So I know it sounds like a funny thing, um, and you know I've had other business-related failures and failed relationships and all that good stuff. So you know, been there with those things. But I would say just fresh on my mind is this whole thing of like 
getting a dog and being like, what have I done? Um, really having <laughs> to navigate, you know, because I, I don't, because I won't give up. Right. Um, and so I think that's the important thing is that even though if I'm totally honest, I would tell people like, I would not have got a dog. It completely changed my life. Um, <laughs> but I, I won't give up on it. And I'm determined to kind of make it work. Um, gotcha. So that's well, where. At least it's taught you something about yourself that you won't give up, right? Yes, right. That I, I'm up for the challenge. Um, and I think it's just a bigger metaphor for like life in general and all these things I'm trying to do, like trying to get, you know, traditionally published as a novelist and all these things that really feel very daunting. And some days I do want to give up, mm-hmm. um, but it has taught me, yo, you'll, you'll keep going. You'll keep doing it. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good lesson in that way. I think for me, when I have failures, instead of asking why me, I ask why. Like, why did this happen? And then, you know, what what am I to learn from this? So from listening to you, it sounds like, you know, one of the lessons is that you don't give up so easily. Yes. And I need to stop checking, stop trying to check things off of a life to-do list. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of like another nuanced understanding of it. So it's like, for me, it's like, finish school, get married, buy a house. Like, I'm always trying to, like, get a dog. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and it almost was like, to me, God telling me, be in this season, whatever it is. Like, take your time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes being too goal-oriented and too ambitious makes you miss things. Because all you're trying to do is just gather up completions you know mm-hmm. oh I did this I achieved this I have this um and sometimes we don't take stock to say like no take your time you know let things kind of parse out and you know and maybe that's deeper maybe that's too deep do you <laughs> maybe I'm do you feel it, you know but I feel like sometimes God is trying to tell me like okay cool you wanted this dog now here you go that did that you <laughs> with the next thing that you really want and how you approach it you know right do you, do you feel that there's a difference between checking off, you know, the tick box of life of what's expected uh, due to society norms or checking off the tick box of life due to what you really actually want? Um, so for me, I would say it's more so what I want, because even in some of the things that I named, those really weren't the outside pressures. Like I wasn't outside pressured of like I had to be married at a certain time. Like if anything, I was really happy that I got married when I did because I felt like I knew a lot more about myself. Um, I didn't feel like I needed a house. It literally was like I wanted to make an investment in myself um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you rent for so long and then you're like the only way to build or not the only way, but one of the easiest ways to build um, net worth as a, you know, as a person is to own property. And so that was kind of, you know, the next thing. So I don't always feel so much. I mean, I think we all get outside pressure of who and what you're supposed to be. But I think Ashley kind of has this who and what Ashley is almost supposed to be. And sometimes mm-hmm. I have to tell her to shut up too. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like outside of just society, it's like, you know, this whole should like if anyone watches Insecure, I'll say this really quickly. Where Molly goes to the therapist and, the, and you know, and she keeps saying, "Well, he did, you know, this person didn't seem like a person I should be dating." Mm. It's this image of what should be as opposed to living in what is now and and what is actually happening. So 
I think I definitely have that complex too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, you said a billboard? Yeah, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything written on it, what would it say and why? Hmm. Um, hmm. You know, right now I feel like it would say just keep going, mm. you know? Yep. Just like, yep. just keep going. I think so many of us um, just need that encouragement because life is really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's a lot of great moments and amazing things that happen. But if anything of just, you know, becoming an adult and, and growing in life, it's like, oh, you start to get it. Like, this is really hard. And so right now, in, you know, in the space that I'm in, I really just want to encourage people, like, keep going, just keep going. It's funny you say that because as you said it, all I can think of is the animated um, movie Finding Nemo. And (laughs) is it Dora? Dory? Dory? (laughs) Finding Dora, I think. (laughs) I can't remember. It starts with a D. But she just keeps singing Dory. Yes. Um, Is it just keep swimming or just keep going? I can't remember, but it, the, the yeah, point I, is exactly what you're saying. Like, just keep it moving. You got to keep it moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And for my last question, what advice would you give your younger self? Sure. Um, goodness. I love this question because I tend to, for better or worse, be a person who kind of thinks in reverse, like, oh, I would have did this differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but my advice to my younger self would just be to be free. I think I spent so much time as a younger person kind of being very reserved, very trying to do things the right way, mm-hmm. um, very afraid, very fearful, not adventurous enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my biggest advice would be like, do it, try it you know, whatever the case may be. And not like anything, you know, that I didn't want to. I think, With your, you keep your morals in check, but do what you exactly, love. No? <laughs> exactly. Keep your morals in check, but like take the trip, go on yes. spring break, like, yes. you know, uh, you know, whatever, like just all these things that, you know, I was kind of, um, I, I feel like I was being an adult very soon. Like, I think I moved out like for good, for good when I was 19 or 20 years old. Like, mm-hmm. stay at home. Mooch off your parents. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I moved out at 17, and I'm like, I wish I had stayed a little bit longer. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't be in a rush. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't, don't be in a rush. Um, and just, like, do more things, definitely. Um, because even though I feel like I'm in a space now where, as an adult, I'm still trying to see, you know, life isn't over. So it's like I'm trying to live in that freedom now. But mm-hmm. I just can only imagine um, certain things um, would be, you know, just I would have loved to get the lesson a little sooner, even though I think that all things work together for your good. So those experiences were important, but I would definitely advise a younger me or definitely another 20 something to just like live, be adventurous and just like just live and be free. That's beautiful. 
And on that note, Ashley, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate you. I appreciate you even more for creating a space for Black writers so that they have a space where they can identify and to change the image of how we see ourselves. Tell us one more time where we can find you. For sure. You can find me on everything at Write, Laugh, Dream. Perfect, perfect. Until next time, download the Awaken My Stiletto app, subscribe to our newsletter at awakenmystilettos.com, and continue to walk in your greatness in a manner worthy of your calling. Thank you.